0: Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter four, verses one through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly the angels came down and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: This morning we are continuing our journey toward Easter that began just a few days ago on Ash Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday night we gathered together here in the sanctuary for a time of contemplation and to remember our mortality, to begin that inward journey of introspection, looking at our hearts and our souls and how we might grow and allow the Holy Spirit to work within us throughout these 40 days so that when we arrive at Easter, we might truly be an Easter people changed and transformed by spiritual disciplines and by the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. This has been the tradition of the church for 2,000 years to prepare these 40 days for Easter Sunday. And so let us together go on a journey through this season. This morning we'll be talking about Jesus' entry into the wilderness and temptation. If you think back in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 3, Jesus is baptized, and, and as he goes beneath the waters, John the Baptist puts him beneath the waters, and he comes out, the heavens are rent asunder. That's, that's the King James Version. I love that. The heavens are rent asunder. They are torn open, and the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, this is my Son, my Beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And no sooner than Jesus comes out of the water does the Spirit whisk him away into the wilderness, into the desert, into a place of temptation. When I think about temptation, the first verse that comes to my mind actually comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6, 13. And it goes like this Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. You might recognize that verse because we said it already this morning in the Lord's Prayer. So often we think of the Lord's Prayer as as the church's prayer, a prayer that the church has blessed us with. But these are the words of Jesus, friends. And I can't help but think that Jesus was remembering those 40 days he spent in the wilderness when he was telling his disciples when they pray to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? There have been some serious moments in my life where I have prayed that prayer. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. There have been other moments, too, when I've prayed it less seriously. One of the great temptations in my life is ice cream. I'm serious, y'all. I have a problem with ice cream. I really do. I love ice cream. Um, I I love Dairy Queen ice cream. I love a good blizzard. And I have prayed in the parking lot, excuse me, not in the parking lot, in the drive-thru line at the Dairy Queen, Lord, lead me not into temptation, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Yes, I will have the medium blizzard with Butterfinger. Right? Lead me not into temptation. I've prayed, lead me not into temptation as I'm looking down at the Sonic app on my phone. Did you know it's happy hour all day on the Sonic app? Right? Lead me not into temptation. I'll have the blast with Butterfingers. It's easy, right? And those are light and trivial instances of temptation. But we all deal with temptation all the time. Sometimes it's trivial like ice cream. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes the temptations we face have real world and major consequences should we give in to them. But what I want you to know this morning, friends, is that everyone is Tempted in large ways and small ways. We are all tempted to give in to our, our bodily cravings. We are tempted to give in to the brokenness that's inside of us. We are tempted to turn our backs on God and walk away day after day. You need to understand, though, friends, temptation is not sin. Temptation is not the same thing as sin. Being tempted is not the same thing as sinning. In your lives, in our lives, we are going to be tempted. We are going to have moments when we have to choose between satisfying some desire, some want, some passion. And that is totally normal, friends. If you know somebody that tells you that they are never tempted by anything, they're a liar. They're tempted to stretch the truth. It doesn't matter if you're the Pope or the Dalai Lama or the Bishop. You're going to face... Temptation in your life. Because if Jesus faces temptation, then why should we expect that we won't? Nobody's perfect except Jesus. And everyone faces temptation in life. It's a simple fact. If you live on planet Earth, you are going to face temptation. Charles Wesley, who I mentioned earlier, um, writes in another one of his hymns, take away our bent to sinning. We have this bend towards sinning that's ingrained into our soul because sin has so broken the image of God impressed upon us. We all, if left to our own devices, would turn our backs on God and walk away from the rich blessings that he has for our life. Temptation can lead to disaster if we leave temptation unchecked. Friends, I like Dairy Dairy Queen ice cream, but I'm not going to break my diet every day simply because I drive by Dairy Queen. I'm not breaking my budget simply because Custom Marine has a new boat in the window there at the corner of the bypass. I love the ocean. I grew up on the water. We would go out in the boat every single weekend that we could. We were out there. I love the water. But just because I'm tempted doesn't mean that I have to give in. When it comes to temptation, in fact, we don't sin until we give in. And that sounds cheesy, but it's true. We don't sin Until we give in. So if temptation is not a sin, then what exactly is it? Here's a simple definition for you. Temptation is the desire to perform an action that one may enjoy immediately or in the short term, but will probably regret later for various reasons. Legal, social, psychological, including feeling guilt, health-related, economic, etc. In the context of religion, temptation is the inclination to sin. It's that bent towards sinning. I didn't, I didn't um, consult some deep theological reference book for that definition. That's Wikipedia, friends. Wikipedia recognizes that temptation is the inclination that we have to sin. One New Testament writer tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus faced every type of temptation, every urge to do wrong, every pressure to think of himself first, every inclination to sin, and every form of temptation that we do, yet he never turned his back on God. He never gave in. He never sinned. Jesus lived his life God's way, tempted, yes, as we are, and yet remained completely sinless and perfect. At some time in our lives, Every one of us has or will be tempted to do something that we have reservations about. Something that doesn't seem quite right, yet has the potential to feel really good in the moment. And every one of us is going to find it very hard to resist, whatever that happens to be. And Jesus knew that situation very well. We only have to look at the episode of Jesus in the wilderness, no sooner than is Jesus baptized as he whisked away into the wilderness. Hear this text again with me this morning. It says, "Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights and afterwards He was famished. I I love that the NIV uses the word famished there. He was famished. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was physically and emotionally spent. He was at his lowest point. And in that moment, when Jesus seems to be at his lowest point, that is when the tempter came to him. In our lives, temptation will always be strongest when we find ourselves at our lowest point. Points When we find ourselves isolated, when we find ourselves in broken relationships, when we find ourselves beat down and hungry, that is the moment that the tempter will come to us as well. And look at what Satan does in this moment. He came to Jesus and said, if you're the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, right? Jesus is the Son of God, by the way, friends, if we need clarity on that. If you are the Son of God, Satan says, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus replied to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said to him, All of these I will give you if you would but fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. When I hear this passage, I realize that Jesus was tempted in three universal ways. I shared this with the men's group on on Tuesday morning, that the three temptations that Jesus faces in the wilderness are universal. They're temptations that we all experience day in and day out. Henry Nouwen is the person that brought this to my attention in my life in a little book that he wrote called, In the Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership. The first temptation that Jesus faces when Satan confronts him is the temptation to turn stones into bread. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has omnipotence. He has all the power in the universe at his disposal. He can turn stones into bread. He can take fish and loaves and multiply them so that thousands are fed. Stones into bread are no problem for Jesus. You might think, Well, why would Satan tempt Jesus in that way? Well, it has to do with self-sufficiency, to be able to provide for yourself. We know Jesus can turn stones into bread. The question is, will he choose to be self-sufficient instead of wholly dependent upon God? And we have to ask ourselves that same question. Will I allow God to be the source of my provision Or will I take matters into my own hands? Will I wrestle this life down with my own strength instead of the strength of Jesus? And the reason that's a temptation for us is because our culture has taught us from the time we were in fifth grade social studies class that there's this thing called the Protestant work ethic. You guys remember the Protestant work ethic in the Industrial Revolution? The idea that we all have the power and capacity to reach out and achieve our dreams if we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and work, 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 work. Eventually, one day, we'll take hold of being self-actualized, self-realized, and self-sufficient. Friends, that's a lie. None of us can make it through life on our own. Not only do we need God to be the source of our provision, but we need people who can walk with us through this journey called life. We need people who will stand by our side in moments of grief and loss and pain. We need people who will walk shoulder to shoulder with us as we seek to become the people that God created us to be. No one can do life alone. It's a myth. It's a fallacy. It's a lie from the devil. When we look to ourselves for our provision, we undermine the opportunity for God to be the source of our provision in our lives. The first temptation is whether or not you will take matters into your own hands instead of trusting God for all that you need. The second temptation that Jesus faced in the wilderness is the temptation to be popular, to be famous. The devil takes Jesus to the highest point, the pinnacle of the temple, this this famous place where the Messiah was to reveal himself, this place of legend and to make himself popular or famous by doing something incredible, something remarkable, to throw himself down so that angels would catch him as he falls, so that the whole nation, in fact the whole world, might know that he is indeed the Son of God. Popularity, popularity is the temptation to make ourselves become somebody, to do what the crowd around us expects us to do or to be the person that the people in the crowd expect you to be. The problem is that when we give in to this temptation, we lose sight of who God is calling us to be and we become what the world says we should be. When we seek to become popular, Instead of living for God's purpose in our lives, we miss out on God's purpose. It may feel great to have the crowd cheer for you in the moment, but if you live for the applause, you'll die in the silence. God doesn't want us to become popular. God wants us to live into the unique purpose that he has for each of our lives. And doing it for notoriety undermines God's will and God's purpose for us. The third temptation for Jesus is to be powerful. When Satan takes Jesus to the top of the highest mountain and offers Jesus every kingdom on earth, all of the power, all of the glory in return for his worship, he's asking Jesus to sell himself out for power. To sell himself out for authority. But here's what Satan misses. Jesus is the one who created the nations. Jesus is the one who built the foundations of the earth. Jesus is the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's Jesus. If Jesus were to take hold of power in this moment, standing next to Satan, he might take hold of power, but he would miss out. On the true authority that comes from God and God alone. If Jesus chooses power over God's purpose for his life, then we would be lost. Friends, in our lives, we're going to be offered positions, some that help us move toward becoming the people that God has created us to be, but many other positions that we are offered are actually temptations that can rob us of our joy, our peace, and even of our life. We'll often seek out positions that we think will bring us what we want in life, money, respect, authority, power, but really only serve to bog us down and pull us away from God's purposes for our life. Self-sufficiency, popularity, and power. They are all so incredibly seductive. And all three will derail us in our pursuit of becoming God's people. So guard your hearts against these temptations. And when you find yourselves tempted, look to God for a way out. Jesus goes into the wilderness to fast and to pray, and there while he's working to be faithful, suddenly he's tempted. In this season of Lent, the season of fasting and discipline and preparation, as we're readying our hearts for Easter and resurrection, I would encourage you to take a look at the temptations you face in your life and begin to ready yourself to resist in those moments when you find yourself tempted. But more than that, through these 40 days of Lent, I would encourage you to look at your own heart and your own life and the places where you have already given in to the temptation to be self-sufficient, where you've already given in to the temptation to be popular and powerful, to look at the ways those temptations and the sinfulness that those temptations brings has robbed you of joy and peace and of life. And as you examine your heart and soul and mind, I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction that the process of healing, of restoration, of sanctification that begins with repentance, would take hold of you once more, would take hold of me once more. So this morning, just as you were invited on Wednesday night to observe a Holy Lent, you were invited again to step into a season of reflection, of repentance, and of renewal. To remember once more that it's from dust you have come and that to dust you shall return. You're invited to remember that your life is more than how self-sufficient you are, how popular you are, and how powerful you are. My prayers for you this month, excuse me, throughout this season, is that God would show you the broken places in your heart. He would take away your bent to sinning, and that he would show you the path to everlasting life. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we have given in to temptation far too often. God, we have been co-opted by the powers of evil and darkness in this world. And yet you still call us to walk as children of the light. To walk in righteousness, in faith, and in hope. Help us, God, to give up our bent to sinning. Help us, God, to allow your spirit to work repentance and healing into our lives. That as we journey toward Easter, we might truly become the people you called us and created us to be. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we have had together today. Allow your mercy and grace to surround us and to give us peace. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.